like I did, but you can't cook the oxalates out. So I don't know if that's answering the question. <laughs> I, I think you, you got there. Sally, stay there. We're going to do another break here. Sally K. Norton is with us. Her website is, let me see, uh, let me put it up there, make sure we have it right, sallyknorton.com, right? Sally K. Norton. And tell folks before we do the break, what are they going to find if they go to your website? They're going to, you'll remind them to get the book when it comes out in a couple months, right? Yeah. There's um, a place to sign up for group classes. There's under the support tab, there's where you can get some free documents where you can buy the PDF of recipes. There's nearly 200 recipes there. And there's lots of free information on all these tabs explaining about testing and answering a lot of common questions. And you have the beginner's guide to undoing oxalate overload that I have here in my former nicotine stained hands a long time ago. Um, I can't believe I did. I thought about that the other day. You know, 40 years ago, I was smoking cigarettes. Isn't that crazy? What's up with that? Uh, Man. Wow. There's probably oxalates in tobacco, too, you know? There is. There is oxalate crystals, yep. Oh, great. So Sally K. Norton is there. And nicotine. I think it's even more in, in, um, in hemp and marijuana is even more. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, duly noted. Um... (laughs) Stay right there. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Sally K. Norton. If you'd like to join the show, come on in before she before we, uh, we let her go. Uh, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com, 888-663-6386. Oh, I want to ask about this because one, I'm, I'm, you know, but you know, I've been doing the far infrared sauna every day in my life for, I don't know, 10 years, every day, every day. So maybe that's why some oxalates get out of my skin. I'll ask her and see, maybe, I hope. If not, I'll just make believe she says it does and I'll feel better. Um, um, <laughs> uh, if you'd like to get a sauna, uh, you can grab one from me, moi. Just email me, Patrick, at oneradionetwork.com. Excuse me. Getting all choked up here. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. We'll send you a relaxed far infrared sauna and we'll send it to you for $1,295. Now, that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Uh, that's the best price that you're going to get anywhere on the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. We sell them. Um, we ship a lot to Canada. We have many Canadian listeners. And uh, it's $1,495 delivered, tax, title, and license to Canada. But no matter where you live, just email me, and I'll give you the best price we can. This is the best price you can get anywhere. As you can see on the video there, these are um, standalone units. You sit there with your head out and that's a good thing so you don't uh, heat up your brain. We don't like to do that. And you sweat, baby, and turn on the timer in case you fall asleep. You weren't torn into a, a pot pie and uh, it's good. It's a, it's a really nice technology. Every day of my life in these guys and then do a cold shower and then, then I'm up you know, for the rest of the night. But I'm working on that. Okay, so that's it. Just email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. If you have uh, not tried our um, Pearl Seam product, this is really, really nice. It is made from real pearl. So that means it comes from a living source, a real pearl, that uh, uh, from a, an oyster, that they, they have them watch sad movies, and the oysters cry, and they make... I just made that part up. And they make pearls. And then uh, Dr. Rulin Shu, who's a uh, very interesting lady, um, quantum physicist, she figured out 
how to um, smash up these pearls. Smash up is not a very dignified word, but uh, to powder them without destroying their cellular matrix. And these pearls then are just a beautiful substance made from real pearl, mostly calcium, well, half calcium, and then they have other target proteins and other other uh, minerals in there. But you brush your teeth with these puppies and you'll never go back to toothpaste. Never, ever, 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 ever. And then if you want to get some calcium, we don't recommend you take calcium, but, but uh, this is the only form that, if you're going to take it, that you, we do recommend because it's from a real, once-living source, and this calcium is not going to end up in your, uh, you know, in your arteries, which is where most calciums end up. You know, you know how that works. That's how it works. Okay, so get some pearlium. You can take it internally. You can also then take it uh, and use your, brush your teeth, and you'll have a good time with it. I I guarantee you. Um, so is that all I have to do? Oh, thanks. Okay, I'm done. Let's go back. Know the Source on One Radio Network. We are with Sally K. Norton. Her book is called Coming Up Toxic Superfoods. Okay, before we before we do anything else, give us a little peek into your book and tell us some of the superfoods that everybody's doing that they shouldn't want to do just to make their day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. There's always the smoothie full of spinach and almond butter and oh. then throw in turmeric and cinnamon for good measure. Those are a bad idea. The turmeric is everywhere. People are throwing black pepper in it to force your body to absorb a compound oh. it doesn't even want. Uh, these are bad ideas. Chocolate is everywhere. We have ample permission now to live on chocolate, which is a terrible idea. It's Chocolate is used commonly in research studies to study oxalate problems and create kidney problems. Is that right? Really? Yeah, it's really easy to get someone to sign up for a study where they just have to come in and eat some chocolate and then give some blood and urine. That's not hard to convince people to. I mean, I always thought chocolate was such a great food, you know, high in magnesium and it's good for the heart and not so. Well, you can measure magnesium and calcium in foods and pretend that that's actually a nutrient. But if it's calcium <laughs> oxalate and magnesium oxalate, that's not a nutrient. You you get credit because you can do it in a lab, but that's not how it's working in biology. So spinach gets promoted as a high calcium food today, which is so amazing because we knew by the 1930s that giving spinach to people, especially children, causes severe calcium and iron deficiency. Wow. But, um, yeah, so, um, oh, I lost it. I had a great question there, and it just flew out. It just, it'll come back. It'll circle around. And, and, chocolate and superfoods. And chocolate, and okay. Cho- but, I mean, chocolate, it's like, it's been around forever. So we've been... No, no? it's a brand new food. The chocolate huh. bar was invented in England in like something like 1890-something. Oh, it's and new, I, Let's yeah. say 1895, that's brand new. Um, yeah, it was just a special little goddess thing down in, you know, Central America, but was not a human food until very recently. And dark chocolate was not a human food until about 25 years ago. Everyone, when I was growing up, nobody wanted dark chocolate. My mother would always get the little dark chocolate bars on Halloween because none of the kids would eat that. 
it's too bitter. And now I find that my clients will tell me, you know, now that I try dark chocolate, now that I've been off of it for a while, it tastes like a bitter wax. Huh. They've lost their taste for it. But isn't 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 this cacao like what what do they call it? Food of the gods? I mean, what's up with that? Where'd they get that name? Oh, there's so many uh. easy ways to market and manipulate, isn't there? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Here's here's an email for you. Please ask Sally Norton of Oxalates might cause hair loss. I've been losing my hair for two and a half years. I did reduce oxalates after listening to an interview with Sally and Paul Saladino. Oh, that's the one I did almost two years ago. However, I slid back into eating chocolate and have recently stopped uh, again. The chocolate also seems to make me my scalp itch like crazy as if ants were crawling on me. My hair's still falling out. I consume primarily beef, eggs, honey, apples, blueberries, heavy cream, and still coffee, lard. <clears throat> okay. So Angie's still kind of walking around here. What about the hair and oxalates? Yeah, so when the hair follicles are unhappy, they're poisoned. You know, just like we said before, most mm -hmm. problems come from a certain degree of poisoning and deficiency. So what can happen now is if she's got he or she has crystals in the scalp or the skull or something, the immune system has to come in to clear these crystals out. And that immune engagement is destructive. It's like it's almost like doing construction on the road where you have to you have to grind down the road surface all over and make a big mess in order to fix the roads. Well, there's a certain amount of grinding going on. The immune cells come along, they try to phagocytize or eat these crystals. That doesn't work well. They form these giant cells that they try to do that doesn't work. So then they start throwing acid and proteases to break down the proteins around the crystals and acids to try to break up the crystals. And so that can cause a lot of collateral damage. So this is part of the inflammation that occurs because you're filled of little nanoparticles and little microcrystals from oxalate, which mm. will irritate the immune system. Little nanoparticles. I don't even like the way that sounds, little nanoparticles. <laughs> the immune system doesn't like them. And so you get that itching is a sign of mast cell activation and all these other activities of the immune system trying to clean you out. Eventually these things will go away. Some people get stuck where their immune system is so weakened that it has time, a hard time turning off. Immune activity is supposed to be short term. So it's supposed to turn on for a limited period and then take a break. So everybody gets a rest like, okay, lunch break, weekends, you got to take weekends. But the immune system who's broken comes, can't take weekends and can keep you in high inflammation mode and mast cell activation syndrome and all kinds of problems. Luckily, usually people that get these itching and, and hair loss, it only lasts for a certain period, maybe six months, uh, and then it starts to resolve. Mm. So uh, botanical fruits, which are anything with a seed, right? Like tomatoes or squash or what, okra? Cucumbers, Cucumbers. Okra. These are pretty low oxalates, but they're very high in what's called lectins, which... Some of them are low oxalates. Yeah, the, the cucubit family, which is the cucumbers and squash and melons are quite low in oxalates. You can have your melons, um, but the squashes might be a little high in lectins, um, and the okra is certainly high in, in oxalate and lectins. So yeah, the... This, those might sometimes be a problem, but if you cook them, this is the thing, like you cook raw, them. too much raw, don't, don't, people are doing like dehydrating their squash and making raw things because raw is so great, but raw lectins are a disaster. So anything with a seed, that's why I think tomatoes and peppers have a bad rep because we tend to want to eat them raw. And you can have a small amount of raw tomato 
in a salad, and that's not going to kill you, especially if your gut is fine. But sure. if you try to turn these foods into a raw plant-based diet, like the fruitarian diet, you're you're going to not going to be regret happy. it. And so, I guess when you cook tomatoes, there'd be a lot of dead Italians, as the, right? <laughs> if tomatoes are terrible, that terrible, right? But then again, well, I have a lot of. Uh, People, I have a couple clients who are blaming their Italian background for their Oxley problems, <laughs> right? and I don't know if it's because that gene, that genetic pool, has got other problems that makes the oxalates even worse for them. But mm. yeah, tomatoes is another thing that's a pretty new food. We had to develop the tomato. The tomato is a human invention. The original tomato was, you know, somewhere like a chickpea size thing that was hard and yeah. bitter and not too very tiny. small. So yeah. We had to do all this plant manipulation over centuries to, to develop all these tomato varieties that are now called heirloom, but they're heirloom human <laughs> inventions. They're heirloom, and they cost more, $6 a pound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully heirloom means it's not like some big company in Florida right. that's yeah. killing their employees with pesticides, because so, the, the tomato industry, like so many of these you know, produce industries are pretty hard on their employees and pretty hard on the land and they're using chemicals that wreck the water mm -hmm. and soil so much as much the same has been done to what we call fruits right they yeah they've hybridized them and genetically modified them and made them big and plumpy and high very high sugar and seedless and seedless and seedless too why would nature make a seedless grape or a seedless orange yeah you what, can't even would, find the point you can't that? even find seeded grapes anymore they're just gone off the planet they left in they're the, all in the resveratrol factories oh god help us they left the building with elvis man i mean you, you can't even and then look at the banana you know those little dots used to be seeds you know those little black dots they used to be seeds. so what's up with fruit is uh fruits have their own issues as well for us or not yeah you know, I think you have to pick and choose carefully uh, among the fruits. I tend to gravitate towards the tropical fruits. There's a, there's the coconut, the papaya, and the pineapple. I eat all of those on a regular basis, ah. especially mm. pineapple and coconut. I I enjoy them. You do and good with those. With me. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I don't eat them in massive piles. You know, it's all moderate portions. Uh, anything you overdo could start to be an issue if you have immune problems. Um, or just, you know, human being with a delicate gut. So there, there's apples are pretty good. I, I think cooking fruit is a great idea. So yeah. baked apples and applesauce, that's a very reasonable thing to do. Uh, you know, a few blueberries seasonally, you know, that these foods, the fruits particularly are very obviously seasonal things or were obvious 40 years ago. They used to be seasonal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was nectarine season. That nectarine's another human invention that's only been around 50, 100 years. Mm -hmm. But every fruit, if you were out in the woods, you would see cane fruit like blackberries and raspberries for three weeks in July and August. And that was it. That'd be it. You're done. And so your oxalate, because black raspberries are very high in oxalate. But you get in the black raspberry patch only for a few weeks. And then if you don't go back to high oxalate no, food, your body will deal get with rid it. of them. Yeah. You know, I've studied but nowadays. Go ahead. There's no season to anything. No, no, it is no Well, we never close. You know, we never close. Um, <laughs> um, uh, we have refrigerators and trains yeah. and trucks and whole industry. That's how we justify the interstate highway system, is so we can deliver these fresh products, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been I've been kind of listening to uh, quite a few of the, of the carnivore people out there, the Saladinos and. 
JPs, and we're going to have somebody else on, Cats, he's fun, and just going to talk to him. But some of them seem to be just really big on having fruit and honey, and others of them say, no, don't, don't, don't do any of that stuff. What, is there any, you know, we're going to just have to try it and see what works for us. That's the obvious answer. But if you want to do literature-wise, because you're a literature geek, is there, what, what about uh, um, blood sugar and... Um, and and, and and this um, um, what's the stuff that lowers the blood sugar? Um, insulin. insulin. Yeah, it, it's not. Yeah, hyperinsulinemia is bad. Yeah, yeah. And low blood I, sugar is you, good, right? To lower your blood sugar is good. Low right? blood sugar and low insulin levels are generally good, but if you have low insulin all the time, that's not necessarily what's supposed to be happening because insulin helps tell your cells to bring in nutrients. So you're going to be, you're as a cell, when there's insulin around, you're more willing to like grab the minerals and vitamins out of the blood and get them because it changes your, oh, oh, mealtime, insulin tells the cells mealtime. And so you need to have little spikes of insulin occasionally. The problem is, is that modern life, people are eating some kind of like breakfast carbs and then they go to the office and there's a donut, you know, there and there's in their, in their drawer, there's a chocolate bar. And then there's lunch. That's always like pizza or a sandwich or some carbs. And then there's the afternoon pick me up snack. And then, you know, like carbs are happening all the time. And then people want a little snack at bedtime and and while they're watching TV or whatever. So we're eating all the time and we're eating way too many carbs all the time. That is a big problem. You can have carbs if you have them in a, controlled kind of way. If you have a meal pattern of three meals or two meals a day and you're not snacking already, you're improving your insulin sensitivity. So you don't have to be zero carb to have health. In fact, in the research, it suggests that when your liver is starved of sugar, you produce more oxalate that causes liver stress and the oxalate production in the liver goes up when you have zero carbs. Hmm. Uh, ultra low carbs causes more lactase dehydrogenase, which is a that's an enzyme that makes oxalate. So you don't want high lactase dehydrogenase, but a low carb diet might produce that. Um, so I have found also that the literature shows that oxalate interferes with the enzymes that make glucose and make glycogen and make ATP for the cells. So when you're not eating, you have to be able to do glucose production to keep the glucose up in the blood. And oxalate's sitting on those enzymes and you might struggle to keep your blood sugar up. So you may be prone to low blood sugar, low muscle glycogen. And the best way to fix that is to have some rice or some pineapple or some mango or something and give yourself a little insulin party and have a little meal for your cells and regenerate the glycogen that should be in your liver, glycogen should be in your muscles and help you keep your blood sugar more even, keep your energy more even, help you sleep better. So I I think there's a a middle road. I think chronically zero carb for people with oxalate problems doesn't work for the many of us. So I've got a few clients who think it's working for them, but for the most part, I have to give people permission to have sure, nice. Yeah. So <laughs> big picture, um, uh, zero sugar may not be the way to go. Right, big all picture. the time, like oh, chronically. Chronically. But I, I tell people, wait till two o'clock to have your carbs or have your rice or fruit as dessert after dinner. And that's a great pattern. And you don't have to do that every day. But if you do that three days a week or five days a week, that might actually 
help your body be lower oxalate, help you sleep better, help you perform better, and help you be happier. Hmm. Very interesting. So by putting a little bit of carb in there, a little bit of sugar, go over it again, what's going on, um, why? You're able to, first of all, get a little insulin spike, okay. which you might on a meat diet, but it does help the cells take in their mineral. We're trying to get potassium and other electrolytes back into the cells. They, mm -hmm. The cells with oxalate poisoning are deficient in minerals. So we, the whole body is mineral deficient. So getting a little insulin is good for that. But the more important thing is that it makes it easier for your body to maintain normal blood sugar and not go into hypoglycemia or low blood sugar and not have muscle cramps at night. Some of us, I, I had to huh. go back on some carbs because I was getting muscle. No amount of minerals will fix the leg cramps that I was getting badly. And I was at a, in 2019, I was at a conference with a, a keto conference and um, Sean Baker was there. And I'm like, Sean, I'm having these leg cramps. I just cannot do this just meat only thing that you do. And I was off during breaks. I'd have to go buy mangoes to like be able to sleep. Um, so trying to force yourself under one little rule set. Could be dangerous. Could be hard. Yeah, right. just don't do that. Start experimenting and listening to the body. I think the literature is very clear that chronically low carbs isn't a huge advantage. There's a great advantage to skipping carbs at breakfast and to not living on flour and garbage sure. and carbohydrates. And you'd be able to go in and out of being able to have fruit and rice and not have some kind of big yeah. insulin spike or big sugar crash afterwards. You know, if you know you're doing it right when you can have carbs and it doesn't bother you and you don't wake up yeah. the next day. Yeah, that would be the, that. The, that's the real test, right? If you wanted to play around with a little rice, a little fruit, if you're eating a lot of meat, if it works, right? If it works, you know, it works. One of the main reasons I wanted to change my diet is because I'm a screenwriter and this is going to be my next career, you know, when I get old. And um, I, I would eat like a brown rice pasta, organic, you know, from Italy, really nice product, or baked potato, or rice, fish. And then an hour after I eat, it's like, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm just, I'm worthless. I can't do anything. I, right. I can't do any, and there's no way I was going to work on the screenplay. I'm lucky I could even watch a movie. So what, what was that telling me and why I changed my dough? What was that? That may be a hypoglycemia hypo response to the carbs. And that meal that you ate them in probably had way too little protein and way too little fat. But I do olive oil, oil, olive oil and butter. I've always done olive oil and butter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we get this broken metabolism where we're really sort of intolerant to carbs and our, right. our whole system is reactive. But usually it's because it's quickly digested food. Pasta is a very processed carb. It's yeah. ground flour and it starts digesting in the mouth. So it turns into sugar in the bloodstream very quickly. And when the body's the pancreas is responding with insulin. It's it's imagining this whole big like meal, like think Thanksgiving, like you're going to have meat right. with it and more food. So it kind of overcompensates. It's like expecting a huge amount of long lasting energy coming in, but it ends up being just a 20 minute digest and you're done. And then it, there's too much insulin and the insulin, the cell party goes overboard and now you don't have enough blood sugar in your oh. bloodstream. Yeah. 
Yeah, the interesting thing so from, probably if you had that same pasta and you stretched it out over an hour, it would have been with oh, a little really? bite every five minutes. Or you even, wouldn't have had that reaction. That's one way to test it. Or even some some protein with it, right? Even some protein yeah. with it, yeah. Protein with it or before, because the protein and fat sits in the stomach longer. If you have protein, that's where the protein digestion is primarily occurring. And so it needs to stay in the stomach longer. But if you put a meal with no protein, the stomach's like, well, all I do here is protein digestion. So this isn't protein. Move on, move on, move, move on. on. <laughs> Way too quick back into the into the duodenum area where the pancreas puts out more um, starch digesting enzymes, and so the rest of that starch turns into hot sugar. It might as well be a can of soda that you just ate. Hot sugar, hot sugar. Hot. Well, I've noticed so you know just in the short time I've been just eating mo all meat and butter and eggs. Uh, I can do it now at six o'clock, and I'm fine. I can just stay up work on my screenplay all night long and I, I just don't lose any juice i actually get energy i get high from eating meat what's up with that yeah that's a really common phenomenon where you need less sleep mm. when you're eating mostly just meat and you stay much more alert in the evenings and there's your whole tendency to either be a night owl or an early bird kind of goes away because you're more your energy is much more even when you get enough animal fat and protein it's the fat too what's your take on uh, protein and fat if you're going to do a high meat diet um proportions do we know what to go by to start with well i'm not a big fan of like art in, inserting artificial macros like you got to have this and that but too low fat is much worse than too low anything else it, when you're eating protein especially so protein requires fat to be safe and digestible yeah purely lean protein is fairly toxic and the way you make high protein diet safe is you make a huge amount of your calories coming from fat and i would imagine that needs to be like half or more of your calories Ooh. from fat to really keep it good so buy the fatty cuts you know the ribeyes and i used to ask for for the extra fat cuts from other meats at whole foods and bring them home and just sure. cook the beef fat and yeah. eat that um, and pork is a nice fatty meat and adding butter to steaks and sauces. When I cook fish, I usually make some kind of butter sauce and add fat to fish. Like that's why tuna salad is mayonnaise, right? Because the, the fat added to the fish makes it even more digestible and healthier. Mm -hmm. Even this if it's like that's crummy fat though, the standard mayonnaise is terrible. Terrible, seed yeah. Oil yeah. Seed oil. But I do like butter that's why i use butter and animal fats with my fish do you think the butter alone can get the fat needs or we still want to do more fats from meat as well i haven't read enough research to have a big fat opinion okay. about that a big they, fat opinion <laughs> yeah butter is a pretty cool food yeah it, it, it really is dairy is is brilliant food in a lot of ways it's um Butter is easier to eat raw. You could get raw cream and raw butter and have undamaged fats that are truly raw. So there has lots of advantages, and butter is just so delicious. It's yeah. pretty easy to convince people to either eat bacon or butter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Inherently yummy. We have a, a fellow at the farmer's market I'll see today that they, they do pastured, regenerative farmed pork. It's all... It's all, they eat vegetables from Whole Foods, throws away. I mean, wow, this pork is like great. I've never tasted anything so good, ever, ever. And it's a heritage breed, and the heritage breeds have real fat on them. Yeah, the, the real commercial fat. Commercial pork real has been bred to be lower fat, and it's dry and tasteless, and it's 
it's like styrofoam, but good pork is so yummy. And, and pork is really only grows well in areas that have woods where the pork can eat the, the nuts and where you have waste products that don't compete with human needs. And we have a lot of food scraps and, and dairy farms are a great example where you make cheese and you have an extra way you can feed the, mm-hmm. the pork. So pigs go well on a farm that's doing dairy and making cheese. So yeah, I, I like pork a lot. It's a good source of B1. B1 is a nutrient that most people are deficient in. Huh. And B1, if you're low in B1, you're going to make more oxalate in your liver. Same if you're low in B6. So the B vitamins really matter to your oxalate metabolism and for energy and brain function and this blood sugar control that we're talking about, having enough thiamine matters a lot. So pork is the best natural source of thiamine and really great for people who are struggling with, you know, blood sugar issues, mood problems, and fatigue. We are, are blessed to have Dr. Ray Pete on our show once a month. He's over 80, a PhD in nutrition, really cool guy. He's, he's got some great stuff. And uh, he says that these pigs, that, that like the ones that we're um, lucky enough to have, are very low in a chemical, what is it? And the ones on grown corn and all that are very high in stuff you don't want. Linoleic acid. Yeah, linoleic acid. That's it. That's it. That's it. Isn't that yeah, interesting? linoleic acid is in trouble. And linoleic acid is particularly bad when it's oxidized in this. So Whoa. the high heat oxidizes it. That's why the seed oils are so bad. Why corn and canola and those seed oils are bad because they're treated with high heat because they have to be denatured and deodorized and all the stuff to <laughs> taste okay. And they're bad because the linoleic acid is damaged and rancid and messes up your cells. Yeah, so all of the oils, pretty much all oils are are, are toxic, aren't they? Or, or they've been oxidized. I mean, it's hard to find. The commercial salad dressing type oils that are used as marinades and cooking oils in restaurants. Every mm. restaurant uses those oils. Yeah. This is the biggest problem with eating out is it's very hard to avoid soybean oil and canola it's oil. It's everywhere, soybean oil, right? Everywhere. Cisco. And, you know, there's like two companies that supply restaurant supplies that they have this really cheap, nasty oil that is used for everything. So you have to go high end when you eat out to get foods that have real olive oil and butter. You have to go to places that use real butter and you have to have them check their labels because the butter will be mixed with canola oil or mixed with something else. And the oils, that the olive oil in most restaurants is usually 50% canola oil is or that more, right? but they they'll mix call it, it they call olive, it olive oil. oil. So you have to make them, yeah. Make them go get the label. Make the manager go read the labels before you believe anybody in a restaurant that says they're feeding you olive oil or butter. They need to check the label or just, you know, you have to go to the $80 a plate kind of place that is seriously cares about their ingredients. How about extra virgin olive oil on a dark bottle from a known source of good stuff? Uh, pretty good for Yeah, you? And yeah. It's just, I used to buy it just directly from um, biodynamic farms in California because the whole... The industry is corrupted. And it's easy to water it down with cheap oils, and so you don't really know what you're buying. Right. Yeah. Uh, what does Sally eat to avoid oxalates? What are good foods without oxalates besides meat? Is a low oxalate diet for forever? For forever. Oh, okay. Good question. Forever. Those Great. are multiple questions. Multiple so questions. There is, 
There is plenty of low oxalate foods out there and besides the meat and animal foods. Um, But a lot of them are what I call pleasure foods because they're not really providing you a huge amount of nutrition like the meat and so on is. But the cabbage family vegetables are a great set of them. Um, Things like celery root. Actually, the red skin new potatoes are much lower in oxalate than baking potatoes. So if you want to have some potatoes, boil the red skin potatoes at home and have a reasonable cup of them, not like six cups. And that's fine. You know, some of it's just about dosing, like yes, just the sure. portion size. Yeah. So you can make spinach a low oxalate food by just eating one leaf. So, <laughs> so if you order a salad and you accidentally eat a spinach leaf that you didn't You're not going to die or anything. Yeah. One leaf isn't going to hurt you. It's the whole salad if it was pure spinach. So some of it's just cutting back on things. Like you could have a chocolate chip cookie because there's just not enough chocolate chips in one cookie to be that toxic. It's when you have a sure. fudge, you know death by chocolate fudge cake or that kind of thing, or that's when it's bad. So so even some of these high oxalate foods, if they're sneaking around the edges of things you're eating, you can get away with that. So uh, you know, vanilla ice cream, great example of a perfectly fine treat that is got very little oxalates. And if you happen to get one that has chocolate chips in it, control the portion or just leave a couple chips behind in the bowl and you're fine. So it doesn't have to be like this sure. neurotic sure. thing. Yeah, because we're all neurotic anyway. What that's the last thing we need is being neurotic about what we're eating, right? I mean, come on. Well, most people are these days. There's <laughs> neuroses about going on. That's right. And, so yeah. she asked, uh, "Did we cover um, good food?" No, foods? there was another question yeah. in there about, "Oh, is it forever?" Oh, a low oxalate diet for forever. Yeah. So yeah. if I were to recommend that you didn't eat high mercury fish, would that have a six month extension or, you know, expiration date? No, No. there's no expiration date on toxicity and deficiency. These high oxalate foods will make you toxic and will cause deficiencies right away and in the long term. So there's no going back uh, into eating gobs of spinach smoothies and almond bread and these high oxalate foods. You're kidding yourself. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, I was kind of musing during the commercial about um, my sauna sweating. Could that be getting me into some oxalates? Sauna is fantastic. <sighs> it is my favorite thing. Uh, it, I recommend it to everybody with oxalate problems because it is so important for lowering inflammation in the vascular system. Mm. And oxalate is busy raising inflammation in the vascular system. And the 10 or so years that your body is now going to be cleaning out oxalates, you're going to be stressing out your vascular system with this nasty oxalate. And it can destroy your capillary beds. It can make you blind. It can do all kinds of things because it hurt, it's hurting your vascular system. Wow. And sauna is the best way to restore, you know, lower uh, inflammation in the vascular system. And before we spoke, I went off to the gym to get a hot sauna. I, I like the heat shock. It's really high heat that is the most effective. Um, and the lower heat takes a lot more time and is maybe not as effective at really turning on these heat shock proteins and are also yeah. anti-cancer and all of that. So I highly believe in sauna. It's one of the reasons I love hot yoga because you can turn 105 degrees into sauna by exercising in that space. Um, and I re- highly recommend it. Now, sometimes these red light saunas are the red light itself can be very overstimulating for some people and can interrupt their sleep. Um, the the advantage of the the tent style saunas is you don't fry your hair from the heat and see this nice fried sauna mm. hair, but it's huh. going to be that way anyway because yeah. it's curly dry hair, right? Um, but I really prefer the simple boxes and knowing what materials the saunas are made of because you are 
spending time in there trying to get healthy. So let's not have Be glues or plastic. And low EMFs too. The one we promote is very low EMFs. Very right. low, yeah. Just a little bit right. of magnetic energy uh, from the floor to the bottom of the chair. Yeah, I, yeah you remind me. I want to take my EMF meter to, yeah, to you gym should, and to see the gym. how much that sauna puts out EMFs in there. That you probably don't want to do that. You may not go back to the gym, so be careful when you do Yeah, I know. I'll be sad. <laughs> So, there's but, always a way, though. If I you're devoted to your health, there's always yeah, a way. there's always a way. But so I could have been getting rid of a lot of these oxalate things over the last 10 years. I've been on it every day, right? Well, it's been helping you. Been it's help- definitely sure. hugely helping you deal with the damage of the oxalate, which is maybe one big reason why you're getting away or seem to be on the surface getting away getting with, away with it. oxalates. Have you ever tried to test your bone density? Bone density? You know, I've been rebounding for years. I suspect it's really strong because of that, but I don't know. I've never tested Check it. it out. Check it out. Check it out. We'll come back and talk about that. Because the oxalates create osteopenia and osteoporosis because it's constantly draining you of these minerals. So, you know, I was a very active person. I didn't expect that I could ever have bone density problems, but I think I was in my 40s when I had positive diagnosis of osteopenia. Because it steals the vitamin. So it steals the, the, the minerals that you need to build bones, right? And then yes, and then when you and then you got to use your bones to compensate for the fact that it's draining it out of your blood. You have to have hmm. enough calcium and other minerals in your blood for your heart to work. So the body's quite serious about keeping the blood perfect because <laughs> if your heart goes bad, <laughs> everybody's down. Like the heart, the heart is one of the captains of the ship. Like if you don't keep the heart happy, uh, ain't nobody happy. Nobody. So the bones be are being used constantly. You're mining the bones, like, you know, drawing out of your bank account in order to keep the calcium up in the blood after these high oxalate meals so you don't have a heart attack or don't get heart palpitations yeah. and tremor arrhythmias. And so in the meantime, you are slowly eroding the quality of your bones. So the arrhythmia and the, and the heart little thingies that people get, that could be an oxalate issue because it's taking minerals away the oxalates. Are. Is that right? How about eggs? We like eggs? We love eggs. We if you're love not eggs. allergic to them. Oh. Eggs are on the, the list of the top five or six high allergen foods. And, and because of vaccines, I think egg allergy is fairly common. There's a, the things. MMR vaccine is an egg-based vaccine. And you're giving a vaccine in order to teach the immune system to respond to these organisms, but you're also giving egg at the same time. And it's possible if you've been vaccinated a lot of times in MMR or whatever, you could have a egg reaction. I'm one of those. I can't have eggs anymore. My husband is one of those. He can't have eggs anymore. We're both obviously allergic to soy as well. The one advantage of being allergic to both soy and eggs is you never touch junk food and desserts. <laughs> <laughs> but, but since you're going to be really... You've been off oxalates for how long? Almost, uh, well, October, it'll be nine years, yeah. Yeah, well, so why hasn't your body healed all that stuff up there? What's up with that? Yeah, it, the bones in the body can hold oxalate for a very long time, wow. and the body is so smart, it knows it can't just dump them out in a week. Okay. If it did, you would be immediately dead. <laughs> you would lose your kidneys and have a heart attack and a stroke, and you'd be dead. Okay. So the body has to take them out slowly it took years to put them in here i've been eating rhubarb since i was probably a really wow yeah wow what else my back is still struggling and i also still have i mean i i feel like a lot of the clearing process is quite slow now Mm -hmm. it's not too much going on but i still have a reactive immune system as the leftover 
departing gift that may never completely leave. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving, right? Yeah. yeah. Patrick, it's serious because this kind of stuff causes most the most the demise of human beings is some degree of fibrosis and inflammation is usually what takes us out and oxalates can be the root cause of all of that i mentioned uh, before that i've been eating soaked raw almonds at least 10 every day for as long as i can remember so that's really a huge oxalate thing right it is it is and 10 nuts isn't as bad as 20 okay good well, I feel better. <laughs> Could have been worse. like Because the modern mentality is that you can buy these almonds as flour that aren't really Oh, that soaked. almond flour, yeah. And then you're eating way more than 20 because you're turning into muffins and pancakes and cakes and breads. And, and some people start living on almond butter and almond bread together. They're even using almonds as breading to make meatballs. Oh, good. Like you're putting almonds everywhere. Whereas a controlled 10 almonds, I'd much rather you did that than start using almond flour. Was soaking the almonds lowering the oxalate content? No, it's not. In fact, it might actually increase the oxalic acid because you start to sort of tell the enzymes that it needs to start germinating. I, so not really a big help there. Oh, good. Okay. Um, here's an email. Just <laughs> having high, high iron and low copper influence how much oxalate is stored in the body. High iron and low copper. That is a very specific technical question that I don't believe any scientist has asked. Okay. <laughs> so, but they're asking a good question, but no answer to, at this point. Well, any kind of disruption in your mineral status may be evidence or a, a hint that oxalates have been messing up your electrolytes. Mm-hmm. And what are electrolytes? And uh, do we want to constantly be putting more of these guys in there? That is usually what we need to do with oxalate poisoning is oh. get lots of salt, potassium, calcium, magnesium, cool. and trace minerals because we are very deficient in them. And this inflammatory process that allows us to remove the oxalate from the tissue causes continual loss of calcium, magnesium, and potassium, especially. Most people are deficient in potassium and adding salt and potassium alone can really help you with fatigue and all kinds of things too. Wow. So this is happening then when you're getting rid of the oxalate, right? When you're getting... Yes. Yeah, right, you're getting rid of them. Hmm. Uh, the strongest oxalate... Ox, I'm, I'm reading an email here. Let me see. The strongest oxalate oxide, oxidase in the body is seroluploplasmin. You know that one? Which is low if you have high iron and low copper. How does... Well, that's... A technical deep dive that probably isn't like that interesting to anyone else afraid. yeah i mean how does it be the, interesting though to look at the bigger picture on a clinical case and see how all these pieces fit together i i did not run across a lot of that when i did my twenty-two thousand article mm -hmm. review i uh, didn't read a lot about that so what is your response so this this person also ended with how does low vitamin b6 influence oxalate storage low vitamin B6. It's not so much about storage necessarily, but it is about the fact that your internal production might be higher and that can create more tissue damage that allows oxalate to stay stuck in the body or to get stuck in the body. So storage is both an accident and probably purposeful process. Wherever you've got tissues that are degenerating, where you got little 
fragments of cells or dying cells or vacuoles that helps encourage the oxalic acid to precipitate into crystals. And it also creates a sticking point for the, the stick because the dead and dying or weak cell can't defend itself and rebuff the crystals. So it's more where you have injury, inflammation, infection, where you get the deposit. So that can be very idiosyncratic. If you type all day, you might get it in your wrists and arms and elbows. If you walk all day or run, you might get more in your feet. You know, if you, there's a wear and tear issue where cells naturally have a life cycle and break down and die. And if you're eating high oxalate foods and at night you've got high oxalates, you're not able to sleep well, you're not able to repair those tissues well. And so you've got more dead and damaged tissues hanging around. So you're more likely to have it get stuck in those tissues. So the, the worse you're sleeping and the more oxalates you're eating and the more tissue damage, like after surgery or whatever, your ability to hang on to oxalate goes up, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It did. Yeah, well done. Um, this is from Carrie. Is it true that high lectin foods uh, turns off something in the brain to tell us when we're full and why that contributes to obesity. She said, I read this on the internet, it sounded interesting. Hmm. High lectin foods are promoting a poor appetite control is what the yeah, theory is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that plant chemicals of all stripes are disturbing all kinds of regulation in the body and the brain function, no doubt about it. In fact, it seems that the plants are deliberately designing chemicals that confuse the nervous system so that you would like buzz off like a bee and forget where you got, you know, that meal. Like it wants you to be gone and go off drunken on its toxic chemicals. So in the, the most sensitive tissues in the body to chemicals and toxins are immune cells and nerve cells. So mm -hmm. that makes complete sense. And then, of course, the hormonal system is delicate and gets disturbed. Sure. And there's a combination sure. of nerves, immune cells, and hormone control that affects things like appetite. Mm -hmm. This is Leslie. I'm 35, and all of a sudden, I just went into menopause. Seems a bit early oh to me. Um, could this be an oxalate thing? And if I get a low oxalate diet, would I start being fertile again? I have seen this in a couple of clients, early menopause, get turned around. And um, even in very young women in their 20s where they start skipping periods, if we get the right nutrients back in them and get them off the oxalate, then they start having nice, easy, normal periods again. So definitely this is 12 or 15 years early for menopause and it definitely a sign that there's some major stress happening. Stress. Stress. Stress could be who knows oxalate toxicity, for example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hormonal derangements and uh, unhappy tissues. It's the whole reproductive system is also a sensitive area that is prone to damage from oxalate. Sperm can be affected by how oxalate diet, and their their little sperm heads get confused and bad. And you don't <laughs> see the sperm count go down, but you do see performance of these sperm to be poor. Nothing worse than a confused sperm. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Great Plains, here's an email. Great Plains Labs has an organic acids test where they measure glyceric, glyc glycocholic, and oxalate metabolites in the urine. How reliable, or reliable is this test for indicating oxalate problems? Hmm. It's as reliable as any other urine test, which is not very. I had one of those tests in 2009, and it showed that I had no oxalate problems whatsoever. Oh, okay. So that, that's true. Because yeah, it's a snapshot. Any urine test is a snapshot, and the body's going to take these breaks on excreting oxalate, so it's easy to come up with a normal 
test, but that doesn't mean you're not loaded up with oxalate and not sick on oxalate. I'm very poisoned with oxalate, and yet I passed the urine oat test from Great Plains with flying colors. With flying colors. So, yeah. yeah. But if you get a high test, and any urine test, including that test, if you get high oxalates, that's for real, and that's to be taken seriously. Okay. Would oxalate poisoning show up on just a regular blood panel that you can go and get the whole full Monty thing? Does it show up anywhere? You might see uh, depressed cell counts, like white blood cell counts. Mm. That might be a sign because the you know the bone marrow is where those cells are born. And if you're full of oxalate, it slows down the production of the cells. And if you're eating oxalate, those cells die sooner in the bloodstream because they're getting exposed after meals to oxalate. So they don't last as long. So I had a sluggish white count for years. I had a kind of elevated BUN for years. And uh, all of that cleaned itself up pretty well when I quit the oxalates. It cleaned itself and up. I see this all the time where the your blood tests are regular. Anything that's not quite right. Um, there's potentially oxalate could be part of that story, especially things like high fibrinogen and uh, these low white blood cell counts. Yeah. Hello, this is from Nancy. I tuned in late. Will she have a list of all the good guys and the bad guys to eat on her website? Yeah, it's on her website, right, Sally? Yes, and that beginner's guide is the best simple list. And really keeping it simple like that, there it is. Even I can understand this. And I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. It's good. Beginner's Guide and SallyKNorton.com. SallyKNorton.com. So we haven't talked a bit about fish. Fish in general uh, seems like a reasonable food if we're not getting too much mercury or whatever. Or plastics. Plastics, yeah. Yeah, fish is a great food, and um, I'm relying on it heavily at the moment. Are you? Luckily, fish is, you know, they, they can freeze it when they catch it, and you can buy frozen fish year-round, and you can buy canned fish, and canned fish makes a good kind of like pantry backup, too. I really like the idea of having a stack of sardines, canned yeah. anchovy, kippers yeah. is a kind of backup food or a quick, I got to run out of town, I need some extra something to make sure that I can eat on the road. So I, I like fish a lot. You do have to be uber picky about mercury and use reliable brands that test the fish. They're not testing for microplastics yet in fish and PCBs, but um, yeah, the oceans have been messed yeah, up. Kind of roughed up a little bit. Um, have you ever tried smoke oysters in a can? That's, that's kind of a fun thing to have I around. do love oysters. Yeah. Um, I've never liked the smoked ones in a can, but my tea, I should try them all over yeah. again. I tend to buy the non-smoked ones and make creamed oysters, uh-huh. or I like to buy mussels because they're pretty low low in toxins. The oysters and mussels are very high in minerals and nutrients. Copper. They're easy to put. They're high in copper, right? In their zinc and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like the little mussel foods. They're good. Does your guest yeah. think it's beneficial or worth the time to make kefir out of raw dairy from Josie? Oh my gosh, I love kefir from raw dairy. It's good, huh? It's good. <laughs> it's a little addictive, and I, I personally <laughs> couldn't keep up with it. It was bothering my inflammation, and and so I'm not mm. sure why. Whether it was the something about the dairy or not but if it agrees with you just watch the fact that you might want to live on nothing else because it's so yummy (laughs) (laughs) and you know even in the natural world it's hard to know unless you go to a farmer's market and you know 
and find out exactly what they're feeding their moo cows and their goats, right? Because you don't know. They could be taking them to McDonald's at night. I don't know. Well, that's why it's nice to buy milk directly from yeah. a local farmer. Oh, we have lo- a lovely grass production here in oh. Virginia because we get a lot of rain. So we're like the perfect state for dairy and beef and, and meat Ooh, production boy. because yeah. we have enough rain and, and it's easy to put the cows in the spring. The greens are amazing in the field. So it's pretty easy to do grass feeding for you know, during the summer, it dries up a little bit. And, you know, in January, it dries up a little bit. But we have like nine months here where you probably have enough grass in the field to raise ruminant animals. So, hmm. it, yeah. A lot of beef out there? People raise a lot of beef? There's, you know, there's a lot of still land available for doing beef. And this, these are small family farms that I know about. There's not the big like Florida giant yeah. farms mm-hmm. as far as I know here. And Virginia is interesting because the colonials and other generations went through Virginia, cut down the trees, wrecked the soil and moved on. You know, they would do bad practices and lose the soil down here in the Piedmont and so on. And so the soil here is pretty terrible. But if grass will grow on pretty crummy soil, if you've got a little bit of the pH right and get some rain. And so the cattle with their stamping and pooping and urinating really helps to rejuvenate soil. So in a place that used to grow tobacco and did all these things and ruin their soil, Growing food in the form of beef is a brilliant way to bring back the ecosystem and restore the soil. We ran a a really cool video on our front page. It's this fellow, his name is escaping me, but he's been working on his whole life in Africa. And it's all about that idea that he has all of these, puts all of these. Is that Ian Mitchell? What's the name? Ian Mitchell. Maybe, maybe. He's one of them in South Africa. He's brilliant. And you put these, yeah, the cows and these heavy animals out there. And everything comes back, and all these turning desert into like paradise. All these, all these vegan Nazis are out there saying that the, the, you know, the animals are destroying the planet, and you need the animals to break up the soil and pee and poop, and everything will come back, right? They do it all over Africa. They do. They certainly do. And and the deal is, is like the animals and us are taking care of each other, and we, you know, it's the small farms that are caring for these heritage breeds and allowing more diversity in animal stock, and you know, supporting small family farmers is very good for the animals, and that's missed on people. We'd have no reason to have turkeys and various types of cattle and goats if we didn't need to grow them for food we would just let them go extinct. Sure. Instead, we're, we're husbanding these, these species and animals and trying to keep diversity up from the small farm point of view and rejuvenating old ruined land. So it's sad that that story, how important animals are to the ecosystem and important they are to the food web is being ignored or, you know. Demonized. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah demonized. Demonized. Cow yeah. farts, you know, global warming, you know what I mean. What can I yeah. say? <laughs> I think these people sit home at night, drink a lot of scotch, and just make stuff up, Sally. And they say, well, this will be Well, good. it's been going on a long time. You know, yeah. the, the philosophical roots go way back, way back, maybe even the Greeks. But during the Renaissance era, the uh, intelligentsia and the elites were coming up with these philosophies of the rights of man that, that led to us not wanting kings anymore and mm. overthrowing the British government and these revolutions that landed into the American Revolution. This is all part of the rights of man. Like, we shouldn't be subjugated. We should be equal and democratic. Good idea. But this also was the same era where there was lots of alcoholism and lots of moralism and lots of Bible banging. And, and in the Bible banging and the anti 
alcohol message came this rights of man. It all came together as like the moral way to live. And somehow eating meat got tied up with uh, beating your wife and having <laughs> sex with other women and drinking too much. So the, the it all came together. Like the moral life is to not eat other creatures. That's really fair. That's going to really democratize everything if we treat animals like, uh, you know. And so it took a good idea to the worst place. And we've been moralizing about not eating animal flesh for 400 something years. Uh, it's not new. We just, it's on steroids now with the internet and with this panic over the globe and, and other things that are happening now. Yeah. Somebody just wrote in, you might be thinking about Clifford Allen Red and Savory. They, oh, that's the, vi the video. Oh, Allen Savory? He's cool in Zimbabwe with the video. Is Alan is in Zimbabwe? I thought I Alan Savory. Well, he's all over the world. Yeah. Alan Savory is one of the godfathers of, this. of regenerative agriculture. Yeah. Um, as is, there's another gentleman that's famous who's also not with us anymore. And then there's people in this country who are leaders of that uh, movement and have been picking this up. I'm incredibly interested in this as a nutritionist. I've spoken at um, you know sustainable ag conferences and attended them for the last twenty. Wow. Year. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, because I I finally realized as I'm doing integrated medicine at UNC is that you cannot send a sick person to the grocery store and get them well. Yeah. You need to send them to a farmer. <laughs> and those of us who study nutrition in the ag quad at Cornell never got any moment of discussion about the importance of agriculture and family farms and all of this understanding of how food is produced in order to understand human nutrition. None of that's in the curriculum. Boy, somewhere we just fell off the, the turnip truck the last hundred years. I don't know what happened to us. We just lost our way, didn't we, nutritionally? We just lost our way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of it came from people tr thinking they're do-goods. Mm -hmm. You know, the folks who first isolated the calories in food teamed up with other folks to try to make the basic things you needed, just the minimum amount of protein and calories you needed to keep it cheap so people could live within their means. And, and I think in a way, there's a sort of elitist streak in that because instead of fighting for fair wages where everyone could afford steak for lunch, we taught them to eat beans and, and corn because right. then they could live within their lousy salaries. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting point, right? Just make more money and buy real food. I mean, that's a good idea. Yeah, have a fair system where people can actually make a living and eat real food and right. have the freedom to access good food rather than teaching them how to eat crap food. Yeah, yeah, just eat that. But that, that was the mistake in the early setup of, of agriculture, of nutrition, of the field of home economics, which is where nutrition lives, and all kinds of this sort of health and nutrition advice comes from this idea that people should be frugal and live within their means and live on succotash. <laughs> succotash, that's right. And now people use expense as a reason to not eat well. Oh, well, I can't afford that. Hmm. Well, wait a minute. You got new clothes, new car. You got a membership to this and that. And you have kids in ballet and you can't feed them right. Good, good point. Yeah, very good point. There's We're letting, you know, cell phone bills and all these things that are layering into your pocketbook, just deep layers of like these claws taking your wallet and just emptying it out. Yeah. And before we go, oh, we should, I, one of the things on my list was organ foods. There's a lot of different opinions in the, you know, like everything, uh, uh, opinions about organ foods in the carnivore realm out there. And there's a lot of fun people. What do you what do you think? What's uh, what kind of research uh, um, 
Some people say they're great, but you just don't need as much as people are talking about. Are you in that camp? That would be me. That That's would be you? Where okay. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, you take down a can- an antelope or a bison or a woolly mammoth, and there's a lovely liver and heart. And yeah. the guys who took down the animal are going to go for that first, and they're going to cut it up and share it around and celebrate. And then you've had your organ meat. But then you're going to spend a week eating a woolly mammoth or two weeks. Or three weeks. Tribe. Or whatever. Right. Three weeks. Yeah. And, you know, in some, Weston Price showed that cultures knew that these high vitamin A, high vitamin foods were important for fertility. And they would make sure that the teenagers and the pregnant women had access to these high nutrient foods in huh. order to preserve the future. But there's a strong thread in modern history of people prizing organ meat and they are prized but you don't need to eat huge amounts of them especially if you're picking out an eggs which has a high vitamin a if you're having eggs and cheese your need for organ meat may be less but organ meat might be a starting way to boost your b vitamins and boost your vitamin a if you're depleted in those things but generally you know a small two ounce portion of organ meat once a week is more than more than enough to meet your needs i think because you could I think there's room to overdo a, I think there's a lot of arguing going on and I'm not necessarily the arbitrator of the argument. I prefer logic. And the logic is human beings did not have access to daily organ meats and did not have access to huge amounts of them routinely. You start making an once in a while, good food and all the time food and it's no longer a good food. Yeah. But I think your idea is, is brilliant where if you kill a Buffalo and it's a thousand pounds, right? You have 50 guys in the tribe and you sit around and eat a thousand pounds and, then you get another buffalo. You've only got one liver, and you share that. You know, you wouldn't have it livered every day, would you? Why, why would you? No, nope. you wouldn't, and you don't need to. Yeah. My mom But w- you do need fat. You don't you do want need to eat fat. Meat. Fat. You need fat. So let's talk about that before we go. So, you know, I mean, ribeyes are great because they got fat and pork, and they're great. And, um, so what are some other... So we have butter, and what else? Coconut oil. Is coconut oil good? Coconut oil is pretty good. Uh Um, We don't really know, you know, if eating coconut oil every day is bad for your microbiome or something like that, because it is a very good uh, antimicrobial fat, but milk has similar qualities and that's not a problem. So any of these animal fats, good quality lard from healthy pigs that were raised properly, tallow from beef and other Mm -hmm. ruminant animals, and um, the butter are the key animal fats and eggs and egg yolks, if you can eat them. And you need to know, you know, that you can ask your farmer to sell you the female cow that's higher in fat or to, Hmm. you know, when your, your local farm is raising your half cow, you can ask them what they're doing to make sure that their breed, their raising and their selection of the animals gives you fatty enough meat. Huh. Interesting. They say, you know, that humans domesticated dogs and got along with dogs and dogs became our best friend because dogs could help us hunt they could help us find the wounded animal, but then we could we could take the fat for ourselves and give that lousy lean part to the dogs. Dogs can survive on leaner meat than we can. And so it was a nice kind of, we take the fat and organs and the juicy parts and then give some of that lean meat to the dogs. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Chafee, who was on the show, mentioned um, uh, this idea that, um, oh, I lost it. It'll come back. Something about the organ meat and the yeah, vitamin A. Something about well that one. Um, I don't know. I lost it. it it'll okay, come. we'll just blame the oxalates. It'll come. It'll digest and oxalates in my brain. What can I tell you? Well, this has been fun. I, it has been. And um, 
So you eat a lot of meat now, Sally? You you do well? I do live on, I'm a, I'm a pretty meaty gal. You're pretty. It, it kind of works. I mean, I'm 658 and I'm pretty muscular. I have a fair amount uh-huh. of muscular definition Yeah. because if you eat enough protein in each meal, that tells the body, oh, go ahead and make some more meat and bones. Go ahead and make some more muscle. And really important for old gals to not get all frail. So I like to see that I'm maintaining my muscle mass on a high meat diet. I just don't. And you, and you don't do a lot of uh, resistance training or anything? Not a lot. No, I do a couple yoga classes a week. If I had the time, I would probably do yoga four or five times a week. And mm. then I, uh, I do have a couple of dumbbells at home, and I'll spend five minutes in the morning with them about oh. four days a week. And I belong to a gym, mostly for the sauna, um, But I'll, if I have time. But I'm not a major um, athlete in the gym. As much as I would love to be a bodybuilder, that would be fun. I think I... Could have had that potential. I, I kind of like to do that. You know, I, I gained about three or four pounds in the month uh, of just muscle. It, I don't know. That's it. It's pretty cool. Huh? You needed it. Yeah. Your body was ready for it. Yeah, so baby. Like, boy, the body's like, okay, Patrick, we've been waiting for this protein. <laughs> Apparently, you know, maybe you weren't getting enough before. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I didn't eat too much meat at all. You know, I just, you know, who knows? There you go. Look how quickly the body wants you to be amazing. Isn't that crazy? I mean, three or four pounds in a so month exciting. is like. And I couldn't gain weight by eating oats and God knows what I would try to do to gain weight, you know. You're being rewarded for good living. Yeah. All that sauna yeah. and everything that has been right. I think those of us who've really tried to take care of our health respond really nicely to these improvements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, did we cover everybody? Let me check my email here. Then we'll let you go back. And What are you going to do today that's fun? That's fun? Yeah. Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> Client follow-ups and uh, finishing, just double-checking all the little data points in the book. The data drives you crazy. It's very hard to be sure that your numbers are right. It takes so much double-checking and rechecking and rechecking. It just is this perpetual merry-go-round of frustration. So I'll be wanting to get that done and make sure that when that book hits ink and paper, it's not quite on the paper yet, uh, it will be as right as it can be. So... I'm hoping I won't wreck another weekend of just working. No. I, I want to get enough done in the next couple of days that I can take a holiday weekend a little bit. Well, you know, I, I guess it's interesting when you think about we've had so many different uh, vegans and vegetarians on the show that after 10 years, they just quit. They just go back. They say, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And maybe all those green smoothies were just part of the problem for them, God. Yeah, the poor vegan diet is deficient in many ways and very toxic if it's got high oxalate foods and undercooked lectin. So a lot of us are ex-vegans and we would love to help the younger vegans learn from our horrible mistakes, but <laughs> nobody wants to listen to an old person tell the young person, you know yeah, what, that didn't work for us. That's right, it didn't work for <laughs> me. Everyone's got to make their own mistakes, unfortunately. So I, I like the idea that there are people who were vocal vegans who are willing to come out and say, you know what, that yeah, didn't really that work. Did, that didn't work, yeah. That's okay. really noble of them. So kudos to anybody who's willing to admit that, yeah. that vegans didn't work. Finally, just just popped in, we'll do it. Does your guest eat uh, the whole egg just or just the yolk? Oh, I think the yolk is the only part of the egg that's really good, but it tastes better with the white. Like when you're making a, like eggnog with your fresh cream from your farm. Oh, really? Delicious. It tastes a little better if you leave the, the white in there, but the white has enzymes that disturb biotin and, and uh, can lower your biotin status. So you don't want to eat a lot of raw egg whites, but if they're cooked, you can have the whole egg. 
And uh, the yolk, though, is where all the magic happens. And what yummy. You know what I like to do, too, with the butter on a hot steak and then dunk, dump a couple yolks, just the yolks on the meat, too, there. Whoa. Oh, yeah. A, a Whoa. egg on a hamburger is, is fantastic. Whoa. And, and wanna- it makes the fat really digestible, too. The, the choline and the yolk is an emulsifier, so it really helps you eat more fat with great comfort and joy. Some people show pictures of their kids. I'll show you a picture of my refrigerator. Look at this. Oh, wow. Look at that. Is that cream in the back corner? Cream in the corner. Yeah, we get raw cream and that's goat's You're milk. You're drying your meat. Trying my meat. putting salt on your meat. Yeah, put salt on it and dry it. I don't I know. I like to use the coarse salt, lots yeah. of coarse salt, and then let it sit for a few days at minimum, or even just a day is enough to make it fantastic. It, and they taste- I like to put it on a rack and put parchment under or around it. Oh, see, I could do that. So but the I don't, air flows. I don't better. have a rack. I don't have a rack. Well, just a cooling, like a cookie cooling. Oh, rack. you could put, yeah, I could put them right over. Yeah, I could figure it out. Put a not. sheet of parchment under there. And See, then, up top on the then left. Then you have more airflow. Up top on the left, I have raw oysters. We get them raw oysters in a container. Really good. Oh, and then yes, eggs. And then, oh, see the little thing in the middle there? That's a fat from um, uh, kidneys from the farmer's market. Kidney fat. In the plastic dish? Yeah, in the plastic dish. You can actually buy that. Yeah, so you want to turn that fat over into glass as soon as you can okay. so you don't migrate those plastics into the oh. fat. fat will, the plastics degenerate a lot. The milk is in plastic, not my favorite thing. You should get it in glass. Get it in glass. And yeah, I don't normally do. Put it in glass, glass right away. Eating plastics is really bad, especially for young people who want to have healthy babies. Good tips there. I'm going to get that milk in glass. Get that milk and glass. Well, it's such a pleasure talking to you. I had great fun, and uh, uh, all the best with your book. Why don't you come back when the book comes out, okay? Let me know. That would be a blast. And that's going to be... Thank you so much for wanting to cover oxalates. I'm so thrilled that you're finding this out. I want to hear how your sleep is going, and keep me posted, okay? Yeah, I'll just write you an email when I go to sleep. Sally, I'm sleeping. So how do you think, how long... (laughs) No, there's no telling how. There's no telling. There's no telling how long it's going to take before the sleep thing kicks in. Huh? We just don't know. Just don't. No, we don't know, and that's okay. I mean, people yep. don't like uncertainty, and they want an answer. When am I going to feel great? When is this going to happen? And well, sometimes if I really study your case, I can make some really good guesses that turn out to be pretty right. But just, just do go it. with the flow. Live in the moment and allow your body to unfold before you. And, and know enough about this so you can detect. Oh my gosh tartar on the teeth, stuff on my skin, crystals in the eyes, crystals, cloudy urine, crystals in my in my stool, hmm. you know your body's now shedding oxalates. When that starts happening, send me an email. Okay. And I have been able to get pretty creative where I can I can just go to sleep and for an hour and go into dreamland and soul travel and get in that RM, REM thing. So I've kind of trained myself to do that just, you know, because you got to do it when you got to do it, you know. Wow, this is a uh, way of the shaman kind of path yeah. to have to work so hard that's at right. sleeping. Yeah, that's it's really, really interesting. And then my spiritual teacher wakes me up in the middle of the night and said, okay, go write my, my spiritual master. Oh, yeah, I oh, am. Yeah. That master is the tough cookie. Oh, man, he said, come on, come on, get this done. So, <laughs> I'm good. That's nice that you're devoted to the task of creativity. The brain and the is oh. here to create. It wants to be here to express something new and fresh and just play and creativity is where humans are find their soul and their joy i really believe that and and uh it's so important that we have something to do right that's creative and be productive and it's fun 
I mean, without that, yeah. what what else are we here for? You know, it's like that's why people without die. that, you that get people die. eating disorder. Yeah, people die. <laughs> you know, they just say, "Oh, I'm dead. I'm gonna I'm gonna die now." But George, you're only seventy. Well, yeah, but I don't have anything to do, so I'm gonna die. Mm. I think that's what it's happens. Bad. I think people just go because they're bored. And being over over entertained will make you bored really quick. Oh, over enter yeah, yeah. <laughs> over entertained because you're not actually generating anything. Yeah, any yeah. creativity, nothing, just. But as you know, there are forces out there that this is what they want us to do, right? Be entertained and don't think about Into what's oblivion. <laughs> just. It's a form of taming, right? It's a form of self-domestication. Oh. Enter keep the cattle in the pen. Entertaining. Yeah, I'll, I'll use that. All right, my dear. <laughs> SallyKNorton.com. It's been an hour to have you. Thank you. Great work. So nice. So Thank nice you. to work with you and get to know you, Patrick. Thank Thanks you for having much. me. Yeah, let us know if we can help with anything. See you soon. Appreciate Bye -bye. you. All right. Bye -bye. What a sweet gal, huh? Sally K. Norton and uh, SallyKNorton.com. I knew from the moment I saw her at 3 o'clock in the morning six weeks ago that she knows what she's talking about. I just knew it. I don't know how I know it. It was a God thing. Okay, I will see you uh, Monday, uh, Friday. We, we always take Thursdays off to work on the screenplays. I will see you Friday, and we talk about everything soul, mind, body. It takes a long time to get young, and that's our real specialty is because uh, we don't believe aging is like, oh, it's cracked up to be. So we'll talk about that on Friday. I love you all very much. Thanks for your support. Take care of yourself. See you soon on Friday. Bye. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.